0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door
1: with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. You are listening to On The
1: Daily, the RotoViz daily fantasy sports podcast, powered by RotoViz Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the September 14, 2017 edition of On The Daily, a RotoViz podcast brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Heath Kruger. You can follow me on Twitter at HeathK. And my partner is none other than Nick Giffen. You can find him on Twitter at Rotodoc. Nick, I don't know about you, but it, it was a rough week one. Um,. <laughs> do you have any thoughts following following that kind of a disaster week
2: yeah that was just such a you're right it was a weird week a, a disaster of a week if you will um not necessarily a disaster of a week i you know, i i did take a loss but it wasn't a huge loss i definitely i did pretty well in my skill position players um i was on matthew stafford more than the field i was certainly on uh Aaron Rodgers on Ty Montgomery, Amari Cooper, I had a lot of LaShawn McCoy, I was well overweight on on McCoy there, so I had a lot of good plays in my, you know, in my uh, uh, skill position players, even at tight end, of course, with a lot of Zach Ertz, and I just didn't quite work out on the defense, special team side of things, I, I went a little contrarian, and a lot of the chalk hit this week with the the Eagles, the the Rams, you know, um obviously, you know, Houston was a little chalk, excuse me, a little chalky, and they didn't end up hitting, but, uh, there certainly were a lot of strong defensive performances in week one and if you really if you missed out on on any one of those defense and you probably Didn't place too high in the GPP. It's not impossible if you nailed it, you know, guys like Tariq Cohen, who was 0.2% owned, but, uh, certainly I think, um, you know, it was, it was a odd week. And I think, you know, there's some things to take away, but I also think there's some things that kind of are just noise. And I think a lot of it is the offenses should improve as the season goes on. I kind of like in week one these days to, almost like a Thursday night game uh, just throughout the rest of the season. We know offenses tend to struggle a little bit more on Thursday nights than they do on Sunday games. Uh, and that's because of the short week. So uh, it tends to benefit the defense who doesn't need to prepare schematically as much as the offense needs to kind of get in sync and in flow. And with the, I think with the shortened amount of practices we have in the preseason and the less and less amount of time the first, you know, the ones are playing in preseason, I think there's probably just a little bit of lack of sync on some of these offenses and that'll work itself out with time. But there definitely are some things we can take away. Baltimore Ravens defense is for real. Uh, they spent top three in free agency on the defensive side of the ball. Their first three—I can't—it was either three or four—draft uh, picks in the NFL draft were all on the defensive side of the ball. They had the best safety duo in the league, in my opinion. This Baltimore Ravens D is going to be a force to be reckoned with the whole year. I remember, the second half of the year they were very good as well. They started off a little slow. I remember Corey Coleman burning them, uh, you know, with Josh McCown and Corey Coleman hooking up and burning them. But as they, they improved a lot in the second half of the year, spent a lot on defense. I think they're going to be one of the premier units, and that's something we can take away from Week One.
1: Yeah, there's really a lot to to break down there, just starting off. I I think, I want to give myself a pat on the back, um, because I I was a pretty big loser in week one, but I think I had the roster construction down as to how it should have gone. I just, kind of like you mentioned, I didn't really hit on the specific type plays that you really needed in week one to, you know, kind of put yourself up to the, you know, be able to cash or be able to score high in the tournaments. Um, I didn't hit guys, you know, like a Leonard Fournette or anything like that, but you know, I, I went big on Russell Wilson, which was a mistake. Um I really wanted to try to fit in a lot of high-end wide receivers, as I saw a lot of people were trying to uh, force in Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. So I thought, you know, in a kind of a in a journey-type way, just go with cheaper running backs and essentially try to play those big-name wide receivers. And hopefully, just by roster construction's sake, you could really kind of just separate yourself from the pack if you does happen to hit. Well, my, my two guys were Carlos Hyde and Amir Abdullah. Um didn't really work out all that much. Well I did hit on guys like Antonio Brown. Um I really wasn't able to pull it all together as, you know, kinda like you. Um I only had three defenses and it, it did not include the Rams, um, didn't include, you know, teams like the Jaguars, so I wasn't able to really um do all that well outside of the you know, the kind of the, the random lineups where I had Antonio Brown just happened to min cash.
2: Yeah, it was it was interesting. I was definitely off of Team Jammin' as well in GPPs. Um I I had far less than the field in both David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, and I really like you. I paid up at wide receiver. I was lucky to hit on Amari Cooper and Antonio Brown. I had basically no. Julio Jones, and I have to, of course, thank Josh Hermsmeyer and his awesome you know, DFS upside app that he has over there at AirYards.com because uh, he really got me off of Julio Jones, showing Julio's lack of upside on grass. So uh, I stayed away from Julio. I got on Antonio Brown, AJ Green, and Amari Cooper. Of course, Antonio Brown and Amari Cooper did well enough, but uh, AJ Green definitely struggled there. And it wasn't so much AJ Green's fault as Andy Dalton's fault. Uh, Andy Dalton just had a horrendous game, and, and you know, I'm sure. A a lot of that had to do with the Baltimore defense.
1: Yeah. Like you said, though, it was one of those weeks to where a lot of the chalk um, – or maybe I shouldn't say chalk. Yeah, well, no, chalk, I think chalk is a fine term to use. It really did not hit, and some of the plays that I think um, did go off were ones that were just like, I mean, 2% or less owned. So if you just happen to be on those guys, you know, congratulations. You probably did fairly well in this week, but I don't know. I, I think it's – I'm fine with my process. Um, with, with how I kind of came to my conclusions. And while it didn't hit, I, I still think if I, you know, continue along and just keep the same process, I, I think I, you know, should do well in maybe weeks with a, a little less variance. All right. Let's move on. But before we do, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listener's only 30% discount to rotavis NFL Pass through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content, and it also supports the pod. All right, Nick, let's move on to cash game plays. Let's move on to week two, get all that week one stuff out of our heads. Um, let's begin with the running back position. So with the loss of David Johnson, um, Le'Veon Bell really not proving to be all that great in cash games last week. Um, there is a lot of options in the 5-6K to range that I particularly like, and some ones that are a little bit above that. Who are you uh, leaning on this week for cash games?
2: Yeah, I think there's definitely the running back position. There's a lot of value, and I I really do start uh, with one name and one name only. I think this is the uber chalk of the week, Ty Montgomery. He gets the, air quote, vaunted Atlanta defense. And I I put that in air quotes, of course, because I'm obviously joking. The Atlanta pass defense to the running back. For two years in a row has been dead last in terms of total yardage. And Tart Cohen, of course, last week showed that this could possibly be a trend for, you know, three years in a row. So, uh, I certainly like Ty Montgomery, 5,800. His price did not increase. He saw over 20 opportunities. So, you know, I think that's just a, a great situation there for, for Montgomery. He had, uh, 19 rush attempts. He had four targets. That's 23 opportunities. And whenever he's posted, over 17 opportunities and I wrote this in my article last week my DFS contrarian article all but like one time he's at least made like a, a significant cash game value or better so I certainly think Ty Montgomery is the uber chalk this week while we're still on the running back position I think there's you know several names that could be tossed around bumped around Jaquiz Rogers, of course, 4,400, uh, as the feature back here. The, you know, the five games he played last year as the feature back, he put up some respectable point totals. So I think Jaquiz Rogers is certainly in play in cash games. Um, you know, there, there's, there's going to be some arguments for some other guys as well. Marshawn Lynch at 6,000 getting, uh, you know, almost a two touchdown dog against the, or two touchdown favorite, I should say, uh, against the New York Jets while he's at home. Uh and then I do think there is a case to be made for playing Le'Veon Bill in cash this week. I know the touches were down last week. I think it was kind of a situation that potentially could have had to do with the holdout um and you know being on the road with Big Ben being on the road and those those whole splits, it tends to affect the whole offense, uh, maybe other than like Antonio Brown. But uh I certainly think there's a case to be made for Le'Veon Bell in cash games as well. Obviously, there's some other value that's going to open up as well. You mentioned injuries. Danny Woodhead injured, so Terrence West is in play. Uh, Buck Allen even had a lot of of rushes, but I don't know if we can count on that this week. So I'm a little hesitant there. Uh, And then I think also that uh, people will try to maybe look at this Arizona situation, but I think it's going to be a three-headed monster, and I'm staying away from them in cash games. So uh, not just some picks there, but also maybe some guys we want to avoid a little bit in cash.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm completely with you on Ty Montgomery. And from everyone that I've listened to or read so far this week, they seem to be on the same boat that Ty Montgomery, well, he's going to be the super chalk. It's just, the value is just too good to really ignore at 5,800. Um, and I think the question is, and the interesting point is the second running back. Um, and three names that you didn't bring up, which I thought was a little interesting, and they might not be, um, complete locks, but it was Mike Gillisley. 5,700, Kareem Hunt at 6,800, and Leonard Fournette at 6,500. What do you think about those guys as possibilities for for cash games?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely considering Kareem Hunt. I think that $6,800 price tag is too low for him, considering he's probably going to be a top uh, six or eight PPR back if he plays the whole year. Um, That 6,800. It should probably be more like in the mid-7K range. Philadelphia, not super scary, at least in terms of uh, rush defense or defense to running backs. Obviously they've got a very good pass defense. Uh, and so, but I, you know, I don't think they're, they're super scary for Kareem Hunt. Their Kareem Hunt is an all around back Leonard Fournette 6,500. Um, you know, I think, I certainly think at home as a favorite, that that is something that could be uh, usable. I just, again, I worry, uh, maybe about, especially on DraftKings, I worry a little bit about, uh, a lack of maybe PPR, uh, floor there. How many receptions is he going to get versus a guy like Kareem Hunt, right? So he had three targets and three receptions in the first game against Houston, which I think is pretty respectable. And he did put up a nice game against that Houston defense. Uh, but I, I'm just a little more hesitant because I think he's probably going to, in the long run, have less, uh, PPR usage than, than Kareem Hunt. And so I think with Kareem Hunt, of course, uh, in the long run, and only being $300 more expensive than Leonard Fournette, I think he probably provides a higher floor, and I think he also probably provides more upside. So I like Kareem Hunt over Leonard Fournette. I'm not really considering Gillislee in cash. I think that's too much of a boomer bus play. He probably had one of the worst three-touchdown games I've ever seen, and you're really banking on those touchdowns with him. Uh, I think against New Orleans. New England and New Orleans, I've got a little stat here that I kind of wanted to save for GPPs, but uh, I'm really targeting the pass game backs, the pass pass catching backs in this game. And Mike Gilleslie, of course, is not the pass catching back there in New England. So I'm definitely staying away from him in Cash.
1: Great stuff, Nick. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. Kind of like the running back position, I'm I'm finding myself finding a lot of value in the 5K range or like a slow 6K range and some even below that. Um, What names do you have circled as guys you're going to be considering for for cash this week?
2: Yeah, I think uh, in cash games, it's Keenan Allen for me is the mortal lock, kind of like Ty Montgomery is the mortal lock there in the running back position. And interestingly enough, they're both 5,800. Keenan Allen had, of course, 10 targets continuing his ways there. Uh, I, I think I saw a stat in the last, what was it, the last 18 games, Keenan Allen is averaging like 10.4 targets per game, uh, which is right up there with a guy named Antonio Brown who's averaging, I think it was 10.7 or something like that. And, uh, you know, Keenan Allen just, just, uh, scored on the Denver Broncos defense on Chris Harris specifically, which is very tough to do. Not many people do that. So, uh a receiver that's been very you know pretty good over the years in terms of efficiency usually catches at a high catch rate as well uh struggled a little bit had a couple drops against Denver but to think that might be some of the rust getting knocked off there I really like Keenan Allen I don't know if he's going to get uh you know 10 targets but even if he gets 8 that's a really high floor and Miami's you know pass defense is certainly nowhere near the Denver Broncos pass defense and Keenan Allen put up a respectable day there so I love Uh, You know, kind of locking in Keenan Allen into cash games. You did mention some other value. I think there's a couple names that are interesting. First, of course, is Marquise Lee, who's down there at uh, 3800. You got the injury to Allen Robinson and, and Marquise Lee was basically on the field the whole time. Uh, you know, for the, for the Jags this past game, of course, the question is how much are they going to run with Leonard Fournette, but he is only 3,800. He had four targets, didn't catch any, but they were really deep targets. And that's what I like as well. Uh, 18.2 average depth of target. And I think he's going to get more than four targets this week. Now that he's going to kind of be, I think the go-to receiver there for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Another name that I think people will be on in cash, but I don't necessarily love, is Corey Davis at $4,100. Ten targets and $4,100 price tag on DraftKings is certainly something you can't ignore. But I do wonder if that's uh, a product of noise, right? I mean, one or two targets in a different direction, and we're talking about Eric Decker or Delaney Walker or you know, Rashard Matthews being the leader in targets on that team in game one. It just so happened to be Corey Davis. It was really compressed there with 10, 9, 9, and 8 targets among the top four options. And then, of course, you've got the Jaguars defense, who might have the best outside cornerback duo in the league. Uh, I think Jalen Ramsey, of course, will will be a big factor. And uh, so, you know, it's going to be tough, I think, tough sledding for Corey Davis. And so, Maybe if you, you know, there's so much value here at the running back position, you don't necessarily have to just pay down at the wide receiver position. So in that case, I love paying up for Julio Jones. He's finally back at home. Should be a high scoring game. Uh, Matt Ryan did throw for over 300 yards in the, in this first game of the year and really didn't get to target Julio Jones much. But, uh, the Bears do have a history of shutting down the number one wide receiver. So it didn't surprise me that Muhammad Sanu became the go-to guy there. Whereas, uh, you know, the, the Green Bay Packers, I think, uh, it should be a high scoring game, a shootout inside and, and, you know, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones at home will get it done. And I did mention that grass split with Julio Jones. We probably should ignore, not only ignore the fact that it was the Bears, you know, in week one who take away the wide receiver ones, but also the fact that it was on grass. And so I think there's much, much more safety and upside for Julio Jones this week. So I like paying up at one spot and Julio Jones, I think, is the guy that I'm going to do that for this week.
1: Yeah, those are some great guys. I, I, a few more I just want to throw in there. Just before we move on, uh, Jordy Nelson at 7,900, I thought was a a particularly nice uh, cost, given he's going to be part of that huge uh, shootout game, or at least we expect it to be. Um, And he is the guy that Aaron Rodgers always looks to in the red zone. And at 7,900, you can mark him down for, you know, six catches and a touchdown. It seems to be pretty darn stable for your cash lineups. And one more, in that same Keenan Allen range that I haven't heard a lot of people talking up yet, was Demarius Thomas. At 5,900, you know, with Dallas' secondary last week, I think they they were given a lot more credit than um, I think they need to be given, um, as I, I'm more looking at that Giants' offense, suspectly, than I really I'm looking as that, at that Cowboys' secondary as one that could be a, a decent unit, as they lost a ton of talent this past offseason. Um, they weren't able to keep a lot of key guys. And Demarius, he saw the most targets on the team last week with eight targets. Uh, most air yards by far with 80 air yards. It, the second closest was Emmanuel Sanders at six targets and 41 air yards. Um, th- this is a game that I think, while it's low on the Vegas projected, uh, game total, I think it's one that really could open up quite a bit. Um, if Denver, you know, with, while they're at home, are able to really, uh, get a lead and, and just kind of rely on their two wide receivers to, to get ahead. And Demarius Thomas is like for, for such a good price, um, Yeah, I think he's one that's safe enough for cash. Uh, What are your thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah,
2: I'm a little less uh, bullish on Demarion cash. I kind of like that as a GPP play where you mentioned if Dallas gets the lead, then Denver needs to throw. But it's not a guarantee that Dallas will get the lead. And I do think Dallas will run a lot if Ezekiel Elliott, of course, uh, doesn't hear back from, from the league or anything like that in this whole situation. If he ends up playing, you run on Denver. That's the way you beat them is by running on them because it's so hard to throw on them. Uh, and, and so the, the other thing for me is, is Demarius Thomas is $100 more expensive than Keenan Allen. When we compare the two, I said Keenan Allen's been averaging 10.4 targets per game. Well, if we look at Demarius Thomas's game log, his ceiling is basically 10 targets over the past 16 or so games. He's had two games of 11 targets, which is right around that 10, 10.4 average that Keenan Allen has. And then he has one game with 16 targets, but mostly it's 8, 6, 8. Uh, ten, eight, 10, ten, 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 seven, 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 seven. So, uh, that's kind of his game game log right there is in that seven to ten range, which is really an average around eight and a half, nine, something like that. So, uh, I, you know, and you're also paying up a hundred dollars more. I think you're gonna have a slower paced game. Uh, so you know, I guess, I guess it, you know, a point could be made that Miami will will have to run a little bit too. Of course, they like running with JHI but but the Charges are favored, so it might make the Miami Dolphins need to open up and pass a little bit more. uh, And and again, the Dallas Cowboys are favored, but they're only favored by a point and a half. So I think this is a situation that I'd like for GPPs. I think Demarius Thomas will go low-owned in GPPs, and I really like that call in GPPs. But I think in cash games, I'm a bit more hesitant uh, than, than maybe you would be.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. All right, let's move to the quarterback position. Um, there are going to be some big names. I think a lot of people are going to be paying up for, you know, like those mentioned those those two games between New England and New Orleans, um, and the Packers and the Falcons. Um, yeah. So, what what names at the quarterback position this week do you think you or have you have found yourself in cash game construction really really going to a lot?
2: Yeah, it's interesting because I part of me wants to get a piece of those games even in cash, uh, with the quarterback position, but there is some value at the. The quarterback position as well. I think, uh, you know, if you drop a little bit further down, um, one name that probably go pretty underrated is Jared Goff. He just, uh, put up a nice total there against Indianapolis. We just saw Carson Wentz burn the Washington Redskins. Uh, and the Rams, I think, are going to throw a little bit more this year than they did last year. And, uh, so I think Jared Goff is certainly in play at 5,100. I do think paying down at quarterback is the way to go generally in the long run and then uh you could also look at Tyrod Taylor at 5300 uh another guy who i think has a high floor just because in his case he has a lot of usage with his legs uh once again he you know he he had a bunch of rushing attempts he had eight rushing attempts against the jets for thir- jets for 38 yards and you look at at uh at Tyrod's game log it's 8 12 7, 3, 3, 7 9, 8, so definitely a lot of rushing attempts on average. You're probably averaging around seven, seven and a half, eight rushing attempts per game, which is a nice floor for a guy who's only 5,300. Uh, and then he gets a matchup against the Panthers where they might have to throw it more than they did against the Jets simply because, uh, you know, I think the Panthers are a better team than the Jets. I don't think there's any question about that. So I like Tyra Taylor in cash. And then also Philip Rivers, 5,800. They're going to be slinging the ball. Uh, you know, I certainly don't mind stacking Philip Rivers and Keenan Allen in cash this week. I think he's going to be a pretty chalky play. And, uh, I think paying down this week is the way to go. I mean, it doesn't really make sense for, for someone to pay up for Aaron Rodgers or, or Tom Brady or Matt Ryan or, or Drew Brees when they can get, uh, you know, they can get Phillip Rivers at a $1,700 discount. But the, I think the, you know, the floors on these guys and even the medians are a lot closer than that $1,700 discount.
1: Yeah, those are some great those are great plays actually. the you hit the one the one that I found myself liking the most. It was Phillip Rivers at fifty eight hundred. And then that, that matchup against Miami. Um, Rivers is just kind of done great against some last year. Um he threw for three hundred and twenty six yards and three touchdowns. You know, this Dolphins team last year. They gave up the third most fantasy points on average to opposing quarterbacks. Um and, and like you mentioned, that fifty eight hundred price tag... Um, I, I I found myself not wanting to go to Tyrod Taylor as I think I'm a little more scared of the Carolina Panthers uh defense and the the, the floor of Tyrod Taylor is a lot lower than the floor I see in Phillip Rivers. So I feel a lot more comfortable just paying five hundred dollars up and and not having to go to that extreme you know, with Aaron Rodgers at seventy four hundred as you really have to find yourself making a lot of concessions, um, even though there are some plays that, you know, tight end, uh on the cheap and defense on the cheap. Um I'm not sure I just go, you know, 5800 with Philip Rivers and just allow myself to really um, go for those uh, big name wide receivers to uh, to build a lot more to a lot build a lot bigger point floor uh, at the skill positions.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think um, you know uh, I I would prefer Philip Rivers as well, so I'm totally on board with you there. And I think you know th- there are some arguments to be made for Tyrod, but that might make him more of a GPP type play because I don't think his ownership percentage is going to be that high but uh, I do think there's always the chance that he could go off a little bit, so um, don't mind Tyrod Taylor, but I think he's probably more of a GPP play than a cash game play, so I'm with you. Philip Rivers, it is for me.
1: All right, now now the, diff- the difficult position of the week. I-, I found myself not liking a lot of guys, even though I have a lot of guys' names written down, um, and, they- and they span the entire gamut, um, all the way up to 7,000. While I don't think Gronk is a a cash game option um, all the way down to 3K and, and some of the options. Who do you find yourself liking at the tight end position this week for cash?
2: Yeah, you're right. There are many options and I, I kind of hate cash game at tight end this week. And it depends on how your roster construction works out. I think I'm plugging in tight end last probably. Uh, but Zach Ertz is definitely in play. I mean, you get a guy who gets as much volume as he does, and he's certainly in play. I'm not too worried about Kansas City, unfortunately, because of the injury to Eric Berry there, the torn Achilles, which will keep him out the rest of the year. He, he definitely was marking Gronk well, but they did get Gronk a lot of targets. And I think Zach Ertz will still continue to see plenty of targets. Don't mind the price tag increase, you know, $1,800 or something like that over last week. Because now he's probably priced where he should be or close to where he should be uh, for a guy who should, you know, over his last seven, eight games, has average double-digit targets. So Zach Ertz, I think, is still in play in cash games. If you want to pay down, uh it's it's pretty slim pickings here. I think Charles Clay, of course, had nine targets, three thousand dollars. Um, don't love the game or the matchup or the situation here as much. Uh Cameron Brake could be in play. I think he's more of a GPP play for me though because uh we don't know what impact OJ Howard will have here, but certainly the Bears allowed a lot of points to the tight end position last year. And then uh yeah, I mean it's just it's really slim pickings. I kind of just find myself either gravitating towards Clay or Ertz. Um I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on some of these other names. I think Jimmy Graham at 4900 is is pretty interesting as well. I actually kind of like him in cash games as well
1: yeah yeah it's it's in weeks like this when I don't really fall onto an option I think I'm just really happy with I just tend to spend down more often than not um you know like you had mentioned Charles Clay at 3,000 essentially a tight end that's leading the team in targets I think that's that's plenty viable if you're just looking to kind of punt the position uh Cameron Braid against Chicago I expect him to have to throw more um I'm I'm a little hesitant on the Jaquiz Rogers play, so in turn I find myself looking at the the passing game options outside of Mike Evans. So I think Cameron Brayton play. And also Kyle Rudolph at 4,200, I thought was a little interesting, but with with Thielen and Diggs there, I was a little hesitant because, I, you know, last week he only saw three targets. While he did catch a touchdown, it kind of somewhat saved his week. Um, That's a little concerning, um, especially in such a nice matchup. It's, I don't know, it's kind of all over. I haven't really decided on one in... You know, honestly, I'm even just kind of throwing out the idea of maybe just going with Jared Cook at 3,300. Like the, uh, the statue throughout last week of tight ends in, um, in home games where they're highly favored, um, they tend to really get that big boost over the other positions. And Jared Cook at 3,300 could just fit that perfect bill of a cheap guy who might just be able to score a touchdown for you in an uncertain week to where you could kind of spend up and be a lot more sure, uh, with your wide receiver plays, your running back plays and the such
2: yeah I think I, I I definitely am on Jared Cook but I think that for me is a GPP play for the reasons you mentioned it's uh one of those things where the team total comes into play it's not a terrible matchup by any means of course going against the Jets so I think Jerry Cook's a GPP play for me. I don't know if he has a super high floor, and if he doesn't get that touchdown, what is he going to do for you? Uh, certainly, I know the Raiders want to target him, but they have a lot of people they want to target. They want to target Amari Cooper. They want to target Michael Crabtree. Those guys basically make up 50% of the targets in that offense. I think it was like 47 48% last year. So it's just a matter of, is there extra volume to go around? We've seen Seth Roberts get red zone usage again, year after year after year. I think this is a, you know, he got a red zone touchdown again this week, uh, this past weekend. And so, um, I think it's a GPP play for me as, not as much as a cash game play, but I'm totally with you in that this week just is kind of totally gross at the tight end position. And that's why I'm kind of filling that position in last when I make my cash game lineup.
1: All right, now that the cash games plays are out of the way, let's move on to something we're going to call Contrarian Corners. So, some of your top Contrarian plays at any position, Nick. If you just want to kind of throw them out there and just get the ball rolling, maybe a bit of an open discussion here. Just kind of some, some, maybe some ideas that you just kind of want to throw in there and test in GPPs this week. Uh, what'd you come up with?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. This is a. A fun week, I think, and obviously there's some chalk plays that I don't love, and I think these are the ones we're gonna want to pivot off of. Uh one name that I did mention in Cash Games for the running back position is Jaquiz Rogers, and I think that's probably a mistake on a full PPR site, like DraftKings. Uh in those five games that Jaquiz Rogers was featured, he had one target in four of those games, which doesn't provide you with a great amount of uh you know, receptions there or anything like that that you can get on DraftKings for the full point. I do love his price tag, 4,400. Don't get me wrong. And he will be owned. But I think the play here is to pivot off of him in that 4,400 range and play some other guys in that price range. So instead of a, a leverage play, I'm, I'm going with a pivot play here and picking guys on a different game or, or, or something like that. And the game I'm targeting here is that New England New Orleans game? Uh, I have I threw a stat together that I talked about on the Fantasy Labs uh, Daily Fantasy Flex podcast that just came out uh, today as we're recording this. And the stat that I threw together is if you look at all of the uh past defenses last year that were in the bottom 10 versus the running back in, in total yards allowed, and where the offense was a top 10 offense from that same team. So, for example, the Atlanta Falcons, I mentioned they're horrible against pass-catching backs, but they had a top 10 scoring offense last year. If you take all those teams, when they played each other last year, that ended up giving us uh, a 10-game sample size. I removed the Frank Gore game because Frank Gore doesn't really count as a pass-catching back. But in those other nine samples, the average stat line was seven receptions on eight and a half targets— for 60 yards and just over a half a touchdown per game for 16.4 PPR points per game. And that's just through the air. That does not count the rushing stats as well from these guys. So uh, there is plenty of names you can target here, whether it's Alvin Kamara, uh you could certainly target James White. I think he's the go-to guy there, of course, in the passing game in New England. And Mark Ingram is only $500 more than Jaquiz Rogers. So I think there is going to be a pivot play from this game. The question is which one is it going to be? James White, I think, is a little safer, obviously, because he really is the go-to guy in that passing game there. He doesn't get as much rushing, rushing work, but we have seen Plenty of upside there from James White in New England. Then, uh, on the, on the New Orleans side of the ball, there was a lot of split workload there. So it's a little bit tougher. You're playing a little bit more of a guessing game. But up until that last drive, Kamara did have more targets than Mark Ingram when it was kind of that junk time. And I think they trusted Ingram a little bit more just because he's the veteran experience there. So, uh, I think it's, it's certainly a situation where. I want to be targeting the pass game in in this game and especially going to the running back position. I think you could also make a similar case for Green Bay and Atlanta. Uh, and obviously if – Uh, somehow Green Bay were to get out to a lead, Ty Montgomery will be so highly owned that I think you could pivot off of him, but I don't love it because you don't need to be super contrarian at the running back position. But I do like being contrarian in places where it makes sense against some guys that could be a little bit chalky. And I think Jaquiz Rogers is one of those spots there. I don't love pivoting off of... uh. You know, I love pivoting, and pivoting off of Ty Montgomery as much as I like pivoting off of Jaquiz Rodgers there. We talked about the wide receiver position. I think uh, Corey Davis, I mentioned $4,100. I think some people will consider him in cash games. Uh, and, and definitely in GPPs, I think he could grab a little bit of ownership just because they've seen 10 targets, $4,100. But I think uh, if... You know it's certainly a tough situation there against Jacksonville, and I think uh, if Corey Davis does absorb some ownership percentage, which I'm not sure he will because the Jazz, Jags, Jags defense does have a good reputation. I think Eric Decker is the guy I want to leverage off of Corey Davis. Eric Decker kind of getting a bad rap here because he only had three catches, didn't have a strong game, but he did have eight targets to Corey Davis's ten, as I mentioned. You know one one of Davis's targets to Decker, and we're talking nine and nine each. And Eric Decker was one of three wide receivers who had three or more red zone targets and more than 50% market share of the team's red zone targets to go along with Des Bryant. And also of course, along with Amari Cooper who had four red zone targets there. Uh, another name is uh, DeAndre Hopkins who had three red zone targets and exactly 50% of the market share of red zone targets. So those four names are all in play. Um, obviously DeAndre Hopkins is playing on the Thursday slate People do like over, over overplaying the Thursday slate because they want some action there. Uh, so if you're playing the Thursday slate, I think Hopkins is viable, but I probably just like maybe being equal to the field because the field, you know, I, I did certainly think there's a lot of equity with DeAndre Hopkins on the Thursday slate. His price tag is so low, but, uh, I think because the ownership percentage tends to go a little overinflated, uh, I think DeAndre Hopkins will probably end up actually coming out to a pretty, you know, fair, ownership percentage overall on Thursday's slate. So I don't love going bananas on him. Uh, And then you know, I did did mention Dez Bryant. Uh, That one is going to be a tough game there, so I don't like playing him. So I kind of wanted to touch on those receivers that I was just talking about there. Amari Cooper, still a great play. Uh, And then in GPPs, I do think the leverage play off of Amari Cooper, off of Michael Crabtree is the guy we talked about earlier, Jared Cook. Love the upside there. Second highest team total as of right now on the slate. Uh, Behind, of course, only the New England Patriots, but they have a projected team total Oakland does of 28.5 points and again team total at the tight end position very strongly correlates with both touchdown upside and 100 yard bonus upside I think Jared Cook has the potential to be a top 12 tight end this week and he's not priced as a top 12 he's priced right around 12th I guess in tight end uh, I think he's 13th on DraftKings so uh, I think Jared Cook probably won't see a ton of ownership, and I think he's a great leverage play off of Amari Cooper and off of Michael Crabtree, who should draw a lot of ownership percentage, and even off of Marshawn Lynch. If they throw it in the red zone, Leo Lynch should be pretty chalky with the Jets being a heavy favorite. I think he's a great leverage play off of that whole uh, uh, chalkier side of the Oakland offense.
1: That was a a lot of really great plays, Nick. You had a lot of guys on my list, so I'm just going to essentially just try to pick some guys that I don't think you have down, so... Yeah, let's start with one. Here's one. The Kind of a pivot play off – not really a pivot play, excuse me. Um, a play of really going off the perception of how I think people see these two teams, the uh, Washington Redskins and the Los Angeles Rams. Um, Terrell Pryor on, on DraftKings. You know, last week it was a bit of a struggle playing against the Philadelphia Eagles, but um, Kirk Cousins threw to him a lot. He was number two in air yards, total air yards among all wide receivers in the NFL at 166 um, he he saw 11 targets, only caught six of them, didn't get into the end zone, but if you happen to watch the game, he saw a ton of work in the red zone. He actually dropped a touchdown, which would have led to a much bigger week. Um, if he's able to just corral a couple of those in, and him and Kirk Cousins really kind of pull it together next week, I think he could be a huge GPP play if he does happen to hit. And and the last one is Deshaun Jackson. So I was reading uh, Rich Rebar's worksheets. It's, it's a fantastic thing over at World. If you don't know what it is, go check it out. Um he noted that the Bears under John Fox and you know you had mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh they do not give up big weeks to wide receiver ones, uh number one options for teams. Um, you know, like like last week the Bears held Julio to four catches for sixty six yards. Um I think last season they held Jordy Nelson, Odell Beckham to under ten fantasy points. You know, the Falcons adjusted to said coverage last week, and they threw the ball nine times to Muhammad Sanu. Now, this week, Mike Evans, actually in a previous matchup last year between the Bucks and the Bears, the Bears, the Bears held Mike Evans to 4 for 66, so why not this week, as a, you know, playing off of Mike Evans and not, you know, watch them shift coverage his way, why not just go after Deshaun Jackson or 4900, a guy who has been known to really take the top off uh, uh, up of defenses um, and really get those big scoring weeks for you, especially in GPPs to where, he might be a little higher on, but I don't think he'll be anywhere above you know 20%. Um, so yeah, it, it is a you know kind of a a high end, not, not really a high end, but kind of one of those long shot plays in GPPs. I think Deshaun Jackson is a is a fantastic option this week.
2: Yeah, I'm 100% with you on Deshaun Jackson. I think he's a high upside play. Uh, certainly, I think he's a boom potential. He also has total bust potential because we've not seen him in this Tampa Bay offense yet, but that's okay with me and GPPs. I want that boom potential and Deshaun Jackson can certainly give you those. I think one other name we didn't mention here that I do want to mention before we move off of the GPP plays is uh, Christian McCaffrey. i I think I'm in love with Christian McCaffrey this week. Uh, I think obviously, The the matchup against Buffalo was a good one. We've seen Ajayi tear them up, for example, a couple times. We've seen some other people tear up the Buffalo defense, and McCaffrey got a lot of receiving work, even though they were ahead of the San Francisco 49ers basically the whole game. He got seven targets, five receptions, 38 yards. He did not get in the end zone. He still had 13 carries, not a great yards per attempt, 3.6 But I think against Buffalo, that number can certainly come up. And if he continues that seven ish range of receiving targets and pops one in the end zone there, I think Christian McCaffrey is a very fine GPP play. I'd much rather have him than, you know, a guy we talked about earlier, Mike Gillisley. I do think, obviously, the New England Patriots have a chance to get in the red zone and punch a couple in with Gillisley, but I think it's a lot easier to pass on the Saints. Uh, and, and there was a lot of fluky ways Gillisley got that. It was three touchdown last week. A couple of PIs in the end zone, for example, or near the goal line, uh, could have totally changed the outcomes. And, and they did other things other than try to rush Gillisley in the red zone as well. They even targeted Rex Burkhead once. They targeted, you know, Gronk, who had a, a, a what we thought was a touchdown catch reversed. So, uh, I like Christian McCaffrey as, uh, you know, a play off of Gillisley. I think you could play him and Montgomery together. Uh, I think you know certainly you could you could pay up at running back and play C- McCaffrey if you think uh you know you don't want to have a hundred percent Ty Montgomery so I think you can play maybe a more expensive back and then Christian McCaffrey instead of Ty Montgomery and pivot away a little bit from Ty Montgomery.
1: Fantastic stuff, Nick. All right, let's move on. But before we do, we have a message from our friends over at Draft. Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, you need to try our new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. You do a draft that lasts just for one week. No management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades. No waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Draft every single couple minutes so you can join on right now. And the best part, play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. No salary caps. Play in a real-life sneak draft league just like you play with your friends in a season-long league, come join me on Draft today. Download the app anytime, just search Draft in your app store, and join a game in minutes, or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whichever you like. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code RBRADIO. That's right, play a real money game for free just for using our promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on draft. Just search draft in the app store or go to PlayDraft.com and come play free with promo code RVRADIO. All right, let's move on to our draft segment of the show. So we're going to go through and we're going to do actually a live draft head-to-head league on air between me and Nick. Um, You saw the results last week. Nick won with his contrarian plays. I believe he he grabbed LaShawn McCoy, which I think was the, the real big winner in that one. Um but yeah, let's start that off this next week. Um since I went first last week, how about you go first this week, Nick?
2: That sounds good, and uh you know, I think the app picked me first, so we we tried a couple here and finally got one that let me go first. So uh my first selection is actually going not to be going to be at the quarterback position, but it is gonna be Le'Veon Bell. I think ninety eight hundred dollars Le'Veon Bell, he's the guy I want. So it is your turn, Heath.
1: Alright, LeVeon Bell. So we're gonna go. If you're gonna go there, I'm gonna start off with Jordy Nelson, and let's follow it up with Julio Jones.
2: I like the I like the Julio Jones pick. That was gonna be the direction, of course. I went. If you didn't go, I'm gonna go next with Brandon Cooks. I think he's got a lot of upside and still plenty of safety in this New England New Orleans matchup. A bit of a revenge game here, so he's gonna be my next pick. Then I'm gonna head back over to the running back position. And I'm actually going to go with Devontae Freeman against the Green Bay Packers. I think that's going to be a shootout game. So I've got my two running backs, Le'Veon Bell, Bell, Devontae Freeman. It's on you, Heath.
1: All right, let's let's pivot off here. Since you already have two running backs and you need one quarterback, I already have my two wide receivers. I will take a quarterback first here. Um, So I'm going to go with the guy I think is the top quarterback play regardless of price on the board. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. And I'm gonna follow it up with Melvin Gordon.
2: I like that Melvin Gordon pick. I think that's a, a shrewd pick there. Uh, I'm gonna. So I have one wide receiver, and I'm going to do a little bit of an interesting play here. I'm gonna stack some New England Patriots. I'm gonna go with Tom Brady, and I'm gonna go with Rob Gronkowski to round out my roster.
1: Oh, Rob Gronkowski, it's a, it's a great pick. Okay, so last pick here for me, uh, going with running back. Uh, let's grab. Ezekiel Elliott against Denver. Let's hope that the Dallas Cowboys are able to capitalize on that weaker rushing matchup in Denver and really control that game.
2: So that rounds out our draft segment, uh, our head-to-head draft segment there. I think it was certainly interesting. I went with, uh, for three of my five roster spots. I went with a stack, a double stack there, Tom Brady, Brandon Cooks, and Rob Gronkowski to complete my quarterback in my wide receiver slash tight end positions. Then my other two running backs were Le'Veon Bell and uh, Devontae Freeman. So uh, I, I definitely like my roster, a lot of upside and a ton of usage. So it uh, should be pretty interesting. Heath, recap your team there.
1: Yeah, so I started off with Jordan Nelson, Julio Jones. Which I'm, I'm pretty darn happy with um, two of the top options, two of the top wide receiver options in that uh, game that should be just score, you know, should be seeing a lot a lot of points. So, and I and I followed that up with Aaron Rodgers, Melvin Gordon, who I think could be a real nice play as he's really just a complete workhorse back there and I, I see the Chargers really rolling over Miami and Aaron Rodgers um, That, that offense just looked unstoppable against a very, very capable defense in the Seattle Seahawks last week. Um, and then I rounded it out with Ezekiel Elliott, who is just really a play on the talent, um, as he's a guy who could see a lot of touches both in the uh, rushing game and he even saw an increase in the passing game last week. So if he's able to, uh, if that Cowboys team is able to take control in Denver and really ride him, um, against that, I I would say the weaker part of the defense in Denver, um, yeah, I think that could be a team that really brings me to my first victory of the season.
2: Uh, unless of course Zeke uh, gets suspended and they they change all that up. So we'll that, that's a see, very good but, possibility. Uh, but we'll we'll see. We'll yeah, see. We'll it's see. only Wednesday. Exactly, exactly. But uh, anyway, that was that was a lot of fun. Well, we're going to do this every week and keep track. Right now, of course, I hold the lead one nothing.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. Let's let's move on to defenses this week. Now this was really the thorn in my side I think it was the thorn in your side as well as we did not hit on any of those big name defenses or I shouldn't say big name defenses those high scoring defenses those multi touchdown uh type teams last week so who are you going to be the guys this week that you're really aiming to essentially just hope for a lot of turnovers and just hope for those you know two touchdown games this week
2: yeah, I'm going to go with the one of the top defenses from week one. I'm going to go right back to, to saying they're going to be a strong defense this week, and that's the Baltimore Ravens defense. I talked about them at the top of the show. They are the real deal. They get a rookie quarterback. They're home against this rookie quarterback. Uh, they're heavily favored, which I don't really look at too much for defenses because it does inflate their ownership percentage, but I don't care this week. I think Baltimore is a fine defensive play. They confused a veteran – Andy Dalton, I think they can confuse a rookie in Deshaun Kaiser. So that's a defense I love, love, love this week. Then uh, there's a couple other names that I think are super interesting, uh, maybe a little bit cheaper options. Tampa Bay, uh, I think, are going up against Chicago. You know, There's the Mike Glennon revenge factor, but I'm not really buying into it. I, I do think uh, maybe you know, Chicago does dink and dunk a little bit, and, and, and Glennon probably doesn't throw downfield too much. So there is some downside here, but you do get a bit of a savings and then uh I think, you know, really those are the two I'm gravitating towards. And then finally, the L.A. Rams against the Washington Redskins. That Rams defense looked good. I know it was against Tolzien and Jacoby Brissett, but I do think the Rams defense is talented. Uh They're home again, and they get a Washington Redskins team that just gave up a bunch of points to the Philadelphia defense. I think this L.A. Rams defense and the Philly defense are are two pretty good defenses. So if the Eagles can do it, I think the Rams can do it. And I think the Rams, of course, again, are are at a savings at $3,000 and should be lower owned than some of these teams here at the top, Seattle against San Francisco. Uh, Also Baltimore, who I think is going to be very chalky, but I, I still like enough to play them. Uh, and then even Oakland, who gets the New York Jets. I I, I don't love the Oakland play this this week. I want to go down. And if I'm going down, I think I'm going to either play the Rams, uh, as I mentioned, or or maybe the, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One other name, I think, or one other defense I think we can throw in there is the L.A. Chargers against the Miami Dolphins.
1: Yeah, that was going to be the one I was really going to stress. It's, you know, kind of like you mentioned, it's such a high variance position that I typically don't like paying up. Um, for for defenses, even if they are in really good spots, like like you had mentioned, the Cardinals defense taking on the Colts um, and the Raiders defense, they're just really going to be highly owned. Um, and, and with such a highly varied position, why would you go and really force yourself to kind of differentiate in ownership percentage at other positions when you could just do it quite easily with defenses? So um, yeah, I, I, the, the two I'm really on this week is going to be the Chargers defense against the Miami Dolphins for. Uh, 2,800, and the one I haven't heard a lot of people talking about, right, which I think is going to be a sneaky GPP play, it's going to be the Chiefs defense for 2,900, taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they were a top 10 team in terms of uh, giving up fantasy points to opposing um, fantasy defenses last year. Um, watching that uh, Eagles-Redskins game, there was a lot, a lot of passes that could have been turned over. By Carson Wentz. I think he would just happen to be fortunate. Um, and against a very tough defense in the Chiefs, even though they lost Eric Berry, I think this could be a game to where they really run away with it and really um, kind of get to play that bully ball that they really, really like to play.
2: I love that call. That's a great call, Heath. I'm going to get on some uh, Kansas City defense this week, $2,900. Uh, just a great price tag. And again, they're at home they're favored, and I know those are things a lot of people look for in defenses, but they're going to be home and favored probably with a low ownership percentage. People will be scared of that. Eric buried news. Uh, they'll be gravitating towards some other defensive options, and they'll see how Philadelphia moved the ball last week. Totally love that call. Great call there, Heath.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much Nick. All right. Let's move on to the stacks and correlations play in the show. Um, were there any stacks correlation plays? I'm, I'm assuming we're going to be targeting the Patriots as as we did in our our draft league format. Um we we're, we're going to really like Tom Brady and the Pats. Um how about some other stacks? Though? Anything from maybe the Packers or maybe taking the the other side of the game with the New Orleans Saints or the Atlanta Falcons? Who are you looking at this week?
2: I mean, all four of those are in play in the two big games there. I think you can just stack those games galore. Of course, they're going to draw a lot of ownership percentage. I think Tom Brady will probably draw the most ownership percentage of the four quarterbacks. So I don't mind taking somebody who I think will be a little bit lower owned in these matchups. I do think you know Aaron Rodgers is going to get a lot of play, being the cheapest of the four. So I think Matt Ryan is is kind of the the guy I like stacking with Julio Jones. It is going to be a chalky stack, but it's not going to be... As chalky as we think if Tom Brady and if Aaron Rodgers absorb a lot of that ownership percentage. And, you know, there's just so many plays at quarterback that I don't think it's going to be overly chalky regardless. Of course, Julio Jones will be chalky, but uh, I think we can do some other things. Of course, you can run it back with Ty Montgomery in that game. Uh, Just a great game to stack. Uh, you know, I think there's just going to be. I think, I think the Ty Montgomery, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan stack, of course, would be chalky. But we can differentiate elsewhere. You mentioned maybe playing the Kansas City Chiefs defense, correlating that with Kareem Hunt. Uh, we could. We could certainly go some other directions here as well. If we think Tyrod Taylor might turn the ball over, you could play the Carolina Panthers defense and correlate that with Christian McCaffrey. I also like a Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey stack. I think this team can move the ball against the Buffalo Bills on the ground. I think they can still move it through the air as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously all it takes is one touchdown with Cam's legs and a 30 yard run throwing for 250 yards and a couple touchdowns. And he's a great GPP play and a, if he throws for one of those touchdowns to McCaffrey and maybe McCaffrey punches one in, uh, just just a lot of upside here, I think, with Cam and McCaffrey. And you're going to get them at a crazy low combined ownership percentage because nobody's going to be on Cam Newton. They're going to look to Ben Roethlisberger in that price range. They're going to look to Russell Wilson in that price range against San Francisco. So I think Cam Newton just goes insanely under-owned. Now, I'm not going to go bananas on ownership percentage, but I like playing him you know, maybe 4 to 8% if I think he's going to be Three to five percent owned or something like that. So I'll probably play him in that six to eight percent range. Cam Newton in, in my lineups there. Uh, and then stacking him with McCaffrey. And again, I'll probably have plenty of McCaffrey because I'll also try to stack that with a contrarian defense, maybe like the, the Carolina defense. I think of the expensive defenses, Carolina will be the contrarian play. You're going to have Baltimore. You're going to have Oakland. You're going to have Seattle that absorbs a lot of ownership percentage. And so that's a very contrarian stack. Uh, if you do play Russell Wilson, love stacking him with Jimmy Graham. I think that's a very high upside play. I know it didn't quite hit last week, but they definitely have a better matchup this week against San Francisco. So, a ton of stacking options here. Uh, obviously the big four are, are the ones that we're all going to be talking about because there's those two games that are just super featured games. But if we want to get away from those games and, and find a stack elsewhere, uh, there certainly are some correlation plays and some stacks that you can look at.
1: Yeah, you hit on a lot of, a lot of really good plays there, Nick. Um, like you had mentioned, I, I think if you want to really go contrarian, which I think, you know, and sometimes those weeks is just kind of what you have to do to try to win a tournament, um, really try to, I, I don't think you completely avoid, um, you know, the, the two big games with Packers, Falcons, and, uh, Pat Saints, but if you want to stack another game, I, I like the Chargers side, um, stacking with Phillip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, and maybe a Keenan Allen, um, uh, I think that would be a fantastic play, um, uh, like you had mentioned, the, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, Jimmy Graham. I think that could be a perfect bounce back play and perhaps maybe people are scared off of Russell Wilson following last week. And then one more I just want to add in there as just kind of more of a game theory type play. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, with Sam Bradford, Stephon Diggs, and either one of uh, Adam Thielen or Kyle Rudolph where they think I was going to lean more the Rudolph side and the Thielen side um, in a matchup to where they could be forced to score a lot of points and an offense that looked quite good um, against I understand this New Orleans Saints but this could be a, a sign of things to come and uh, we saw just how talented Stefan Diggs was we saw um, you know finally Sam Bradford has a year in an offense to where he could learn the intricacies intricacies and really kind of come in with a a game plan that he had the prior year maybe this minnesota vikings offense is for real and i think a lot of people are going to be off them considering there's just so many other good stacks this week
2: yeah i mean i think uh I i don't mind you know playing the vikings there I certainly don't mind, uh, Sam Bradford the way he's played. I'm just not sure a double stack with them is going to be the way to go this week. I mean, it's, it's, it's very contrarian. I think maybe just a single stack if you're going to do Bradford and Diggs or Bradford and either Rudolph or Thielen or something like that. Uh, alternatively, I kind of just like, uh, playing the correlation plays at wide receiver or running back here, maybe doing a, uh, a Le'Veon Bell with a Stephon Dix or a Le'Veon Bell with an Adam Thielen and just playing the correlation there where, you know, maybe the, the Steelers get up and then the the Vikings have to throw. So I'm not so sure I want to play Sam Bradford as my GPP quarterback this week. If I am going down in that range again, I like Tyrod Taylor. I like Phillip Rivers. Uh, I even don't mind Jared Goff against that, that awful Redskins pass defense. So I think I would go some different directions than playing Sam Bradford as a GPP quarterback this week. But he is going to be very low owned. And I, I definitely understand the play. I understand the thinking. understand if they get behind and how good they've looked. Uh, I just, I'm not sure I would double stack that one because it already is so contrarian. Uh, you probably just need one stack there, one single piece, contrarian enough because it, I mean, you're basically going to have a unique roster if you're Sam Bradford and, and either Diggs or Thielen or Rudolph because all of these other pieces that we're adding in our lineups as well won't be owned by everyone. And I think Sam Bradford probably is under 5% owned this week
1: that that's a really great point i did not consider so yeah I, think, yeah I think i'm with you on that one i think you have the the right uh the right sense for that all right let's move on to our last segment but before we do nick the fantasy football world much like the sports world is one where everyone's looking for advice typically people are looking for advice on who they should play which side to bet and so on but for some reason people never ask where they should be betting it's just as important as who you're betting on So that's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. MyBookie has been in the business for years. The rep is rock solid Do 100% cash bonuses. So off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have fastest payouts, as fast as two business days. You listen to us, you do the research, you put forth the effort, and you know who's going to win, right? So why don't you lay down some cash and win big today? I used my bookie last weekend on that Browns bet I mentioned, and it worked out. So that's why I'm urging you. Maybe this week it's your week to win. Uh, go to my bookie. You win. They pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site. My favorite part that makes wagering a breeze. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit with a 100% deposit bonus. Just use promo code RODONFL to activate the offer. Also. As a business from us at RotoViz, if you sign up this month with the Roto NFL promo code and then forward a copy of your sign up confirmation to RotoVizRadio at gmail.com, you'll be entered into a drawing for a limited edition RotoViz athletic jacket. It's what all of us at RotoViz are going to be wearing at the end of the season. So sign up for my bookie, put in some money, and then forward us your email confirmation and we'll announce the winner on a future episode. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Nick, let's move on to the last segment. It's the theories, bets, and Vegas lines. Are there anything that really, you know, this week that's kind of piqued your interest that you want to uh, begin with to to kick off the segment here?
2: Definitely. I think there's some things that kind of interest me this week some some pretty interesting situations we can take advantage of some recency bias we can take advantage of some hype we can uh, do that in, in the betting side of things. And, of course, uh, I'll definitely be placing a couple bets here at my bookie. And, and again, make sure you enter that contest for the Road of Viz, uh pullover, the, the athletic pullover there. They're going to look sharp. We haven't picked out the color, but we have a little bit of an internal vote going on there. But it's either going to be red or gray, uh, and, and it'll look super sharp with the Rodoviz logo and everything on that like that. So make sure you enter that contest uh, and, uh, so a couple of bets I think are, are pretty interesting, which I think have DFS implications of course. And I made this bet on the daily fantasy flex pot over there with the fantasy labs guys. Uh, since then the line has already creeped up another point, but the bet I made was that the new England, new Orleans game would go under by more than a full touchdown. So this wasn't really a bet. It was a bold call. So I think it'll go – my bold call is it'll go under by more than a full touchdown. So right now it's 55-and-a-half. Yesterday it was 54-and-a-half, uh, and so you know, I was saying 47-and-a-half or less. Now uh, a touchdown would be 48-and-a-half or less, but uh, that's not the bet I'm making. Of course, the bet is I'm taking the under on this game. And so if I'm taking the under on this game, we see Tom Brady and Drew Brees, the two highest-priced quarterbacks here. I'll probably have some exposure because there definitely is a chance this game could shoot out with the way New Orleans' defense is so bad. Uh But – being the two highest price, I definitely will be underweight on them relative to the field, and I'll probably have a little bit more, as I mentioned, of Matt Ryan and probably Aaron Rodgers as well, and some other quarterbacks that are cheaper. But uh the reason I think this game goes under is we did see struggles from both of these teams in in different areas. We saw New Orleans struggle against Minnesota, and everybody says, Well, is Drew Brees' road splits? Well, he still was playing in a dome. So, you know, I don't know how much that has to do with road split and just the fact that it was a good Minnesota defense, uh, on the road or, you know, it, not on the road, but, in, uh, yeah, just being a good Minnesota defense. So, um, then there's Tom Brady, who of course struggled week one against Kansas City, a very good defense, mind you. I think he'll be just fine versus New Orleans. But there's a lot of ways this game could go, uh, and the hype is getting there. 55 and a half. I probably will push up to 56, something like that. So I'm going to try to find the best line I can and, uh, take the under on this game. Another one I think we can, so, so this one isn't really benefiting from recency bias as much. It's just kind of betting against the hype of this game. The next one I think is really contrarian, uh, is, is betting against recency bias and, and, uh, that is, The San Francisco versus the uh, Seattle Seahawks. The line here currently is a 14-point favorite for the Seattle Seahawks. I think that's a bit much. We saw them struggle against Green Bay. They were a dog, but uh, they didn't look too great against Green Bay. They struggled moving the ball. Uh, But, of course, everybody's looking at the fact that San Francisco lost by 20 points to the Carolina Panthers and just absolutely got crushed in terms of betting versus the spread. I think that's inflated the spread a little bit this week. Uh, I know it's on the road for San Francisco, but it's not like they're traveling, uh, you know, a great distance. So I think they're going to be okay, um, against Seattle. It's a division game. Uh, of course, you know, Shanahan being the new head coach there, we don't really know what to expect. So I don't think we can really know to expect a 14 point spread there. So I really like the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers to, to keep this game a little bit closer. And if that's the case, the DFS implication here is actually I think both sides can end up passing the ball a little bit more than we expect. Not a huge play on Carlos Hyde this week, but you can certainly take some shots with uh, either Pierre Garçon or Marquise Goodwin. Uh, definitely. Uh, Jimmy Graham is a play I like because of the, ha- the high team total, but I do think San Francisco keeps it closer, and maybe if they're mispriced a little bit because of the Vegas lines. you know. For example, I am looking at, at Marquise Goodwin here. He's still priced down at 3500 and he did have a ton of, of air yards. So uh, Marquise Goodwin makes for a really interesting super low on GPP play. I would not go crazy on him. Play him like 2%, but you'll be overweight to the field on him.
1: Yeah, those are some, some great mentions there, Nick. I, I just want to throw a couple more in here. Uh, to wrap up the show, so the Jaguars at home plus 2.5, I thought was a very interesting bet. I'm not quite sure why the Titans are favored that. I think that line has moved since. I believe it's tiny, uh, Titans minus 1.5 now. Um, if you So if you can't get that side, I, I really like the Jaguars in this one, as I think the Titans are going to get off to a slow start this year. Um, and then the Patriots. It, it's I look at this Patriots-Saints game, and while it could be a shootout, I just think the Patriots are... Even though it's, it's minus 6.5, um, I think they, they're just so much more of a complete team than the New Orleans Saints. Um, a popular stat that is thrown around that um, 70% of teams that go 0-2 to begin the season do not make the playoffs. Um, I think this is going to be a spot to where we're going to see. I know it's a complete narrative street, but Angry Tom will make his way to New Orleans, and I, I don't think there's a way that um well i shouldn't say that i i think it's very unlikely that the patriots lose this game so i think that is a a very good bet as well and then this is the one i'm going to throw out here is you know we're kind of browns homers here at rotoviz uh the browns plus eight on the road at the ravens what do you what do you think of the browns um at plus eight in this spot nick
2: yeah so i think with that uh you know we found the over under there's 39 uh i think it's Pretty low there. Both of these defenses are pretty good. You know, definitely the Cleveland Browns will have a good defense. And I do worry about the Ravens offense a touch, especially with Joe Flacco, especially with his offensive line injuries. So I can see it, but I think it's a pretty fair line. I I just I really like that Ravens defense. This game might go under the 39, honestly. Now I I know I talked about it last week with maybe, maybe the uh the, uh, LA Rams and the Indianapolis Colts game going under. That didn't happen, but I did get the Oakland and the Tennessee under for sure. And I also got the Oakland side of that as well. I thought Oakland, you know, there was so much noise about reverse line movement in, in that game when Tennessee, uh, you know, the, the line moved the wrong way and that should favor Tennessee and all that blah, 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 blah. No, I wanted Oakland and I wanted the under in that game and it hit. So I'm going to stick with my guns here. I'm taking that under in the New England, New Orleans game. Uh, I'm going to, as I mentioned, I'm going to take the points on San Francisco and on this game here that you're talking about, Baltimore and Cleveland. That's a really, really tough, tough call for me. I, I think the better bet instead of, uh, you know, Cleveland, I think the better bet might just be under 39 because of these great defenses and maybe two pretty poor offenses.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that that's the point I, I really wanted to bring up is when, it, when you look at a, a game total of thirty nine, um, and you have one team favored by eight, even if they are at home, I'm not quite sure. Even with a you know facing a rookie quarterback, um, I I can just really see both these teams playing super conservatively. Um, I'm not ready to concede that Le'Veon Bell was just you know he's just you know slow to get the season started. This Cleveland Browns defense, um, at least against the run, may be legit, and if the Baltimore Ravens cannot run the ball. Joe Flacco as we saw has been very very rusty um and if he does turn over the ball it could be a game to where it's just really up in the air so if you can lay you know you give the browns 8 points um yeah it, it's it's one that I I think I am going to go with the brown side uh ju- just because of the points in the spot
2: yeah I think that's I definitely think that's fair uh, I can understand that I just like the under so much I mean yeah. it was it was 20 to 0 Cincinnati against Baltimore and I think The Bengals are even worse uh sorry the browns are even worse in terms of cincinnati's offense versus the browns offense maybe at this point in time uh and then uh, you know the 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 Bengals have so many weapons uh aj green john ross tyler boyd tyler eifert uh, all those running back you know triple headed monster there at the running back position andy dalton who's had top 12 pp or top 12 quarterback years a couple times so uh you know then you compare that to the Ravens offense Joe Flacco is ailing a broken offensive line right now with some injuries uh I, and you know he only threw 17 attempts in week 1 they didn't have to throw a ton but uh yeah, I think this is a game that I kind of I I kinda like a under thirty-nine. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say, you know, I'm not as confident as you on the eight. I think it could be a game that goes twenty to zero, something like that, or or twenty-two to seven, or twenty-two to ten. And that those will all be very under-type totals there for uh you know the Ravens versus the Browns.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. All right, that's gonna do it for the show, Nick. Uh, once again, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at HeathK. Find Nick on Twitter at RotoDoc. Be sure to check uh, check out all of our work over at RotoViz. And yeah, for Nick, I'm Heath. Thanks for listening.
0: Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns—legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.